Good morning, Mariners fans. I'm Andy Patton, and you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm a beat reporter for the Seattle Seahawks and a former employee at the University of Washington and Seattle University. So in a way, I am Seattle Sports Media's utility infielder. The Mariners head to Detroit for a three-game series against the Tigers, a team they laid waste to just a few weeks ago. Can they head over to the Motor City and finish off the season sweep? We'll preview the series here, and coming up in our second segment, we will take a look at the freshly released Mariners 2020 schedule. Could the team get off to a blistering 13-2 start two years in a row? We'll talk about that and also highlight a few of the big-name opponents so you can mark them on your calendar ahead of time. Finally, we'll continue our daily tradition of celebrating birthdays for former and current Seattle Mariners. On August 13th, we're going to be talking about a franchise icon. So the Mariners are off to a pitiful 1-7 start in the month of August, but if what happened in July is any indication, this team could end up 4-7 after this week. They're heading to Detroit for a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday three-game series against the Tigers, one of the few teams that have a worse record than the Mariners in the American League. The Tigers are currently 35-80, and 80, which I, that was stunning for me to read. Uh, they're a team that I mean, I don't think they're going to break their own record, which is the 2003 Tigers when they lost 119 games. But the fact that they're still in that conversation in August is pretty telling. Uh, I, the pitching matchups are you, you're going to have Yusei Kikuchi against Matthew Boyd, two left-handers. Uh, Boyd has been one of the strongest pitchers, uh, not only on the Tigers, but in the American League. Uh, he's having a great season and was a, considered a pretty high-profile trade chip for the Tigers, but he's still got, I think, three years of team control, so they decided, well, we'll hold on to him and kind of see see what we can get out of him maybe later on, which, interestingly, that's a decision the Tigers made a few years ago with Michael Fulmer. Uh, he was coming off a AL Rookie of the Year. He'd been an All-Star in, I think, 2017 and was a big trade chip, and the Tigers general manager, Al Avila, decided to to hold on to and, and didn't take some of the trade offers that were that were made to him, which it just came out recently in an article in the Detroit Free Press that the Tigers had been offered Javi Baez from the Cubs and Alex Bregman from the Astros, and they turned both of those trades down to hold on to Michael Fulmer, who then had a pretty bad 2018 season and is now missing this entire year with Tommy John surgery. So it was pretty interesting to see them decide to do the same thing with Matthew Boyd, a pitcher who had never really had a ton of success in the big leagues until this year and is having a great year like I said his ERA is a little over four but he's got a 31.6 percent strikeout rate which is pretty incredible he's he's really he's looked like a stud pretty much the entire year and you got to think that teams like the Yankees or maybe the Astros before they got Granky or or the Red Sox were probably making some offers for him and I know that the the Tigers had a really high asking price on him which I get you know shoot your shot try to get your guy but it you got to wonder if this is a decision that they're going to regret in a couple of years. Anyway, we talked at length about Kikuchi yesterday uh, on the episode two of the podcast, talking about Kikuchi's struggles this year and whether we think he's going to be a guy who kind of makes it through the rebuilding years with the Mariners. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how he throws tomorrow against uh, Boyd and the Tigers. So uh, Wednesday's matchup, we're going to have Marco Gonzalez versus Edwin Jackson. Yes, that Edwin Jackson. He is back with Detroit. He threw with them uh, back in 2009 and has been bounced around to just about every single team in baseball, I think. But he's back now. Um, the Tigers are hard up for, for veteran starters. You know, they, they signed Tyson Ross this offseason. They signed Matt Moore this offseason. Uh, both those guys are hurt. They're out for the rest of the year. Uh, they signed Jordan. They signed Jordan Zimmerman a while ago, but he's he's been on the IL this year as well, and just hasn't really been very good when he's healthy. They've, 
You know, the Tigers, they tried to do a lot of the things that I think rebuilding teams should do. They, they went out and got guys that they wanted to flip at the deadline, obviously. Uh, Tyson Ross and Matt Moore were two examples of that. They signed Jordy Mercer from the Pirates and Josh Harrison also from the Pirates. And those are two guys they were like, well, we're going to put them up in our middle infield and then we'll, we'll deal them at the trade deadline. And Harrison's still hurt. And they, they, they actually, they just cut him, but he was hurt for pretty much the entire year. And Mercer was hurt around the time of the deadline. So kind of similar to the Mariners who also had some guys who were hurt that they were kind of hoping that they could maybe make a, make a deal with, you know, Ryan Healy, D Gordon was a guy they, I think they wanted to trade and they just weren't able to do it. So uh, nothing really you can really do about that. You know, the Tigers, I thought it was a, a valid strategy to go sign veteran guys who were kind of coming off bad years and think maybe they'll have a good year and we can trade them for prospects. That's what they did with Mike Fires two years ago. Uh, and I can see the appeal of Ross and Moore and Mercer and Harrison, but over four, you know, it's just just how, how it goes sometimes. So anyway, so Marco and Edwin Jackson, back to that. They're, they're thrown on Wednesday. Uh, and then it's the website list TBD. For the Mariners versus Spencer Turnbull for the Tigers, uh, it's likely going to be Tommy Malone. Uh, they just don't know who's going to open for him. It was Matt Whistler last time. Uh, depending on his usage in the first two games of the series, it could be him again. Um, but it is interesting. The Mariners are going to throw three lefties against the Tigers. Um, the Tigers are not a good hitting team. Uh, they have a 235 batting average on the season. Uh, they are hitting slightly better against left-handers. They have a 249 batting average um, with a 307 OBP. Uh, that's still not good. It's still not really anything to be concerned about. I don't think that the the Mariners throwing three left-handers is any indication that uh, the Tigers' bats are suddenly going to come to life. Uh, their best hitters are right-handed. Um, their their best hitter was Nicholas Castellanos, but they they were able to flip him at the deadline for a couple of prospects from the Cubs. Uh, so now it's just it's not not a lineup that's going to incite a lot of fear. Uh, their leading home run hitter is Brandon Dixon, who. Many people may not have heard of, and that's okay. He's got 14 home runs and 43 RBIs on the year. He was a uh, free agent signing from the Cincinnati Reds, uh, minor league signing, just before the start of the season. Uh, he's their starting first baseman now. Miguel Cabrera is their DH. Uh, Miguel Cabrera is not having an awful year. He's hitting 285. He's got a 347 on base percentage. Uh, he's just his power is gone. It's been very odd to see. He's only got eight home runs. Uh, he's got 421 plate appearances, so it's not, you know, he's he hasn't really been all that injured. I, th- I think he's probably just dealing with being old and injured. You know, he had a pretty serious back injury, and I think that that's probably just sapped a lot of his power. But his 285 is leading the Tigers. His 347 on base percentage is leading the Tigers by a lot. Um, you know, he's still got he still got it at the plate a little bit, just without the power. And he's you know he doesn't have any speed. That's never really part of his game. So. It's it's a bummer. I'm I'm a, I'm a Miguel Cabrera fan. You know, I always liked him. I, I liked the way that you know how great of a hitter he was. I liked that he switched over to third base and actually was adequate. And they moved him back to first base. You know, he's he's been a fun guy, a fun guy to have in the major leagues, and he's still on a Hall of Fame pace. I, I think he's still going to get there. But it's you know he he was approaching 500 home runs and 3,000 hits with both of them pretty easily within his grasp, and now it doesn't look quite as easy. You know, he's kind of slowed down on that path. So. He's he's a bat to watch out for, but again, he's you know a, a shell of his old self. Um, some of the other Tigers' better hitters are hurt right now. Jamer Candelario is their starting third baseman. He, I mean, he's hitting 198, so it's hard to call him one of their better hitters. But he's he's decent. You know, he's a switch hitting third baseman, but he's he's hurt. He's out right now. Christian Stewart is their power hitting uh, left field prospect who kind of had a, a strong start last year when they called him up in September. He's got seven home runs on the year, but he's on the seven day IL with a concussion. 
they're hoping to get him back soon, but I'm not sure if he's going to make it back in time for this series. And then one of the best surprises for their team was Jacoby Jones, who's their starting center fielder. He's got 11 home runs, 7 stolen bases. He's only hitting two thirty-five, but got a nice combination of power and speed. He's a great defensive center fielder, but he's also on the injured list. So they just... They're going to roll out a lineup that's going to be a whole heck of a lot of guys that, that nobody's heard of. And, yeah, uh, Mariners are rolling out a lineup that a lot of guys haven't heard of people on that team, too. So it's going to be it's going to be that kind of series. You know, it's a midweek series. Uh, there's going to be decent decent arms. You know, Matthew Boyd, we talked about him. He's good. We'll get to see Kikuchi hopefully rebound against a poor team. Hopefully Marco can rebound against a not-so-good team. Uh, Spencer Turnbull, the right-hander who's pitching for the Tigers on Thursday, he's he's pretty solid. He's actually had a very good year. He was a guy who, uh, kind of a, a busted prospect almost. You know, he was a second-round pick back in 2014. He kind of looked like the future bullpen piece and kind of looked like he was going to kind of go that direction. But instead, they, they brought him into the rotation at the end of last year. He put together a couple good starts, and he's been in the rotation the entire year this year. And he's having a good year. It's... He's one of the few guys on our team who's got an ERA under three. He's got a 3.68 ERA, uh, 107 innings pitched, over 21 starts, uh, 98 strikeouts, 42 walks. So, you know, a little little wild, but uh, pretty good numbers otherwise. And I think a guy that, you know, he's 26, so he's not super young for a guy in his, who's really only in his first year in the major leagues, but maybe a guy that they can build around a little bit or at least a guy who can kind of stick in the rotation for a couple of years while they kind of bleed through this rebuild a little bit, kind of similar to some of the guys that are on the Mariners right now. So um, I'm not going to say it's going to be a fun series of baseball because I don't know that it's going to be a fun series of baseball. Um, it should lead to a couple Mariners wins. Um, you know, they, they swept them last time in Seattle, so it'll be a, a, maybe a little bit more challenging in Detroit, although I don't know how much of the fan base is going to be out there rocking the house and uh weekday night against a bad team so we'll see what that looks like but um yeah so it's it's hopefully an opportunity for the mariners to to break out of their mini slump uh you know get some of their starting pitching on track uh, maybe tommy malone who's kind of struggled a little bit recently as well maybe get those guys going uh maybe see if they can get some of their bats going you know i, I think boyd will be tough he's you know he's been pretty good at, at mitigating damage throughout the season um but edwin jackson you know <laughs> i mean he's He's a veteran. That's that's something. He's he's been around for a really long time. He's faced the Mariners probably more time than most of the guys who are in the league right now, if not all of the guys in the league. I I would struggle to think of a pitcher who's active right now who I'm convinced has faced the Mariners more than Edwin Jackson. Um, he's he's made one start for the Tigers so far, six and a third innings, uh, one earned run, four strikeouts, two walks. So. You know, I, I don't think he's going to do that again. Um, he'd thrown a little bit for Toronto earlier in the year, and his numbers were not nearly that good. He had an 11.12 ERA, um, 19 strikeouts and 13 walks and 28 innings pitched. So um, definitely guys at the end of his line. I think he thought he was at the end of his line when he went 8-18 eight and 18 for the Cubs back in 2013, and yet here he is. He's still, still pitching in the major leagues. So good for him, I guess, and... Um, you know, for Mariners fans who are watching the game, who think, is that the same guy? Yep, it sure is. And he's, he's been around since 2003. My goodness, man. He made his debut as a 19-year-old in 2003. He spent nearly as much of his life in the major leagues as not in the major leagues. That is quite an accomplishment. So good for Edwin Jackson. Uh, let's, here's to hoping the Mariners can uh, hit him around a little bit on Wednesday. So... Coming up next, I will take a look at the Mariners' 2020 schedule, which was released on Monday. They have a chance to get off to another hot start next season. I'll talk about that and some key dates for you to put on the calendar. 
Today, August 13th, is one of the most iconic Mariners in franchise history's birthday. We're going to get to him, but before we do, let's talk about Seattle's schedule in 2020. For the second year in a row, the Mariners opened things up at home, this time against the Texas Rangers. They got a four-game series against Texas, three against Minnesota, and then three against Kansas City to kick things off. Beyond that, the Mariners have some exciting new teams coming into town this year. The teams that I am most excited to see at T-Mobile Park this year is the Atlanta Braves, who are coming to town in the last weekend in May, May 29th, 30th, and 31st. I can't remember the last time the Braves were in town, and this Braves team is fun. We'll get to see Ronaldo Acuna, who is one of the brightest young players in all of the major leagues. We'll get to see Ozzie Albies, the second baseman, who is an exciting prospect in its own right. We'll get to see Dansby Swanson back in the Pacific Northwest. He played briefly for the Hillsborough Hops when he was in the Arizona Diamondbacks system. He was a first overall pick who the Diamondbacks inexplicably traded along with other high-profile prospects to the Braves for Shelby Miller in a trade that I think they probably wish they could have back. Uh, but that Atlanta series is going to be a lot of fun. I think that uh, Atlanta's good, and they're going to be very good next year. I think we can get to this on another podcast, but the Mariners are going to be a better team in 2020 than they are right now. I don't think that there's any debate about that. I think that they're rebuilding uh, a little bit quicker than some of the other teams, certainly than the Tigers, uh, like we talked about in segment one. But I think that the Mariners might struggle a little bit against Atlanta. Uh, they have some great pitching, Mike Fultinewitz, uh, Mike Soraka, some great, great young arms on that team. Uh, and I think it's going to be just really fun to see a team with a bunch of young players who are kind of gelling all at the right time. It'll almost be like a look into the future of like, this is what can be, this is what Seattle could potentially be in just two years, maybe. You know, Jared Kelenic is maybe not going to be quite the guy that Ronaldo Cunha is, and that's not a knock on Kelenic. That's just Ronaldo Cunha is one of the top five best players in baseball right now, and he's 22. Uh, but the Mariners have some great young pitching. Logan Gilbert's coming up. They, they got some guys that I think really could turn this into a similar situation where they, they're like Atlanta in a couple of years. And Atlanta's got some some veteran guys around as well. Obviously, Nick Markakis, before he got hurt, was kind of one of those guys. Freddie Freeman is a stud. Uh, the Mariners don't quite have a homegrown guy like Freddie Freeman in their system, unfortunately, although if they keep Mitch Hanniger around, he could be is similar uh, in that regard. But I, I'm excited for the Braves to come into town. Again, that's the last weekend in May. I think that's a series that... If you're going to make it out to the ballpark one weekend, I would try to circle that one on your calendar because I think that's going to be that's going to be a really fun one. Um, they get the Yankees the weekend after that, so the Mariners are going to have uh, six pretty tough home games before they head out on a road trip where they got to go to Miami, Toronto, and back to L.A. before they get back home again. So uh, a couple other exciting things coming up in their schedule. Uh, they are home on the 4th of July which is always fun. The 4th of July is on a Monday that year, so maybe not the best day for it, but they're going to be at home playing. Oh, I'm sorry. No, the 4th of July is on a Saturday. It's even better. I'm misreading the calendar. Um, and it's a Saturday against the Phillies. So you get to have good old Gene Segura will be back in town along with Bryce Harper and Aaron Nola and the rest of the Phillies team. I think that's another team that they've, they've been out here somewhat recently maybe, but I, I remember them being out here uh, a while ago, uh, and I went to a couple games that, that series. But it'll be fun to have Gene Segura back in town. Obviously, J.P. Crawford playing against his old team as well. Uh, Bryce Harper, not a guy who's been out here ever, maybe. Not not in a long time, at least. Not that I can remember. So get to have him in town on the 4th of July, big fireworks party. That's going to be, you know, if you like celebrating 4th of July on the, at the ballpark, that's that's definitely not one that you're going to want to miss. That's a, that's a lot of fun. Uh, no Memorial Day game this year. No Labor Day game this year. You know, you can't, you can't win them all, I guess. If I had to pick, I would certainly pick wanting to have a home game on the 4th of July. I think it's an American holiday, and what's more American than watching baseball games? So I think 
that's going to be a heck of a day right there. That's a, that's a day that you're going to want to circle on your calendar. Rest of the schedule looks, you know, pretty normal, I think, uh, I guess. I don't know. I don't compare every year's schedule against each other to know, but uh, they got some pretty really lengthy homestand in July, which is nice leading into the All-Star break. They're home from July uh, 2nd all the way till July geez, 23rd. Um, oh, sorry, no, July 14th, but that includes the All-Star break in there. So they got a nice little homestand right there. Uh, they got some, you know, some long road trips that are going to be rough. They got one in early June that's going to be a long trip. They're uh, making some trips where they just, you know, they're going to San Diego, then they're going to Houston, then they're going to Texas. Uh, it's just some trips that are a little bit challenging. Um, they are going out to New York to play the Mets, which will be fun to watch on TV. It'll be a chance to see Robinson Cano again. It'll be a chance to see Edwin Diaz again. Unfortunately, what it probably means is that we may never see Robinson Cano back at T-Mobile Park. Uh, the Mariners and the Mets don't play each other very often, and I think that the fact that this game is happening over in New York probably means that the Mets aren't coming to town anytime soon. Uh, obviously, there's a chance Cano or Diaz ends up on a different team, in which case we would see them then. Uh, moving Cano's contract is not going to be easy for the Mets, so I'm not sure he may be a guy that there's a there's a chance we may never see him at T-Mobile Park again, um, which is a bummer. I'm very curious how Mariners fans would react to having Robinson Cano back in town. I think they're, you know, they're that like with anything, there'd be a healthy mix. There'd be some cheers. You know, he was obviously a great player for the Mariners, put up some jaw-dropping numbers. Uh, there'd be some booze, obviously. He, you know, he had some issues with uh, hustle that a lot of people noticed. Uh, He's on steroids, clearly. He suspended 80 games. So um, I wish we got a chance to see Cano back here in a Mets uniform. And I, it doesn't look like that's ever going to happen. Uh, it's clearly a chance. Cano strikes me as a guy who could end up uh, DHing for the last couple of years of his career if the Mets are able to get off of that contract and send him back to an AL team, in which case we would get to see him. But by then it might be such a long time after he was here that maybe the fan base will be different. Maybe there won't be as much of a reaction as there would have been if we got to see him this year. So a little bit of a bummer there, but at least they'll get to play against him and see him and hopefully hopefully take three from the Mets in July. You know, we'll never know. So uh, for those of you who like to plan around this, I'm uh, looking at the schedule right now. It looks like they have Toronto. The three games against the Blue Jays are in late July, July 24th, 25th, and 26th. Uh, for those of you who have ever been to a game, the Blue Jays uh, send a huge chunk of the country of Canada down to the game. Uh, it's, I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the Canadians, this is one of their few opportunities to come see their team. Um, you know, they come out to, to Seattle once a year, usually for a three-game series. And I've talked to fans who drove 16, 17, 22 hours just to come to this game and get a chance to see their Blue Jays. And yeah, it's crowded. It takes a lot longer to get into the game. Uh, the crowd, if you're watching on TV, you'd be confused at where they're playing sometimes. But uh, for fans who want to go to that game, that's when it is, July 24th, 25th, 26th. Uh, for those who want to avoid it, now you know. Um, they'll have just had a really long homestand before that, so hopefully you'll have gotten your fix uh, before so you can maybe take that series off and watch it. Watch that one from the couch. All right, that was a quick look at the Mariners' 2020 schedule. Now let's take a look at all the birthdays from August 13th which includes a franchise icon and a former top prospect. So for those of you who've listened before, and I know this is only the third podcast, so if you have, thank you. I appreciate that. But we're uh, we're going to do birthdays every single day. It'll kind of be our last segment of the day. So we're just going to discuss you know, whatever day that I usually record this in the evening, but it goes up in the morning. So whenever you're listening to it, that day's birthdays for anybody who has been affiliated with the Mariners, used to play for them, currently plays for them, whatever it may be. So today actually has six birthdays. 
six former players who uh, are celebrating a birthday today. So the first one is going to be one that's familiar to all current Mariners fans, uh, and that's Taiwan Walker, who's turning 27 today. Uh, Walker was a very highly touted prospect coming up to the Mariners' sister, uh, system. It was him, James Paxton, and Danny Holtzen were kind of the, the three amigos. You know, they were going to be the next uh, Mark Mulder, Tim Hudson, and Barry Zito. And didn't really work out like that. Uh, obviously, Danny Holtzen has yet to reach the major leagues. Uh, he's still in the Cubs system, as far as I know, and trying to make it as a reliever, which I hope he does. I sincerely do, but never really panned out for the Mariners. Uh, James Paxton obviously did. He had a he had a great couple of years with the Mariners and got flipped for some prospects last year. So they hit on that one. And then Taiwan Walker, who you can't really call what happened with him a failure because they ended up trading him and ended up getting Mitch Hanniger and Gene Segura, who they turned into J.P. Crawford. So things went well. And, and Walker had his best season with the Diamondbacks. So, you know, he, he clearly found something that worked for him after he left, which is a bummer. It's never easy to see that happen. But now he's having Tommy John surgery, and hopefully he can come back healthy. You know, he's still just 27, obviously. So there's a chance that he'll still rebound and have himself a very solid career. But he never quite found it in Seattle. He he made 62 starts for the Mariners from 2013 to 2016. He had a 22-22 and 22 record. He had 4.18 ERA. Uh, he had 322 strikeouts and 99 walks uh, in 357 innings. You know, he his last two years were really he was completely in the rotation. He had 29 starts in 2015 and 25 starts in 2016, and he had an ERA over four both years. He just never quite found what I think could make him successful. And maybe he found it in Arizona, and maybe when he comes back, he's going to be a stud. And good for him if that's the case. You know, I think there's there's a lot of talent there. Uh, I distinctly remember buying an autograph card of him in like 2014 because I thought, oh, this will be worth something someday. So maybe, maybe I'm just holding on to hope for him because of that. Who knows? But I do think there's some potential for him to, to be a good major league pitcher someday. So happy 27th to him. The next one is Randy Messenger, who is turning 38. Uh, Randy Messenger is, he played for the Mariners really briefly in 2008 and 2009. Those are the final appearances of his big league career. He threw a grand total of 23 innings for the Mariners in that time. Uh, he had a 3.91 ERA. Uh, he had 12 strikeouts to five walks in 23 innings. Uh, clearly not a lot of success there. Uh, didn't start any games, just kind of came up through some through some relief innings for those teams. Uh, and then that was it. So happy 38th birthday to Randy Messenger, wherever you are. The next one is uh, Jared Washburn. That's another name that I think a lot more fans might remember. Uh, he's turning 45 today. Washburn pitched for a really long time for the Angels, uh, had a fair amount of success. They actually finished fourth in Cy Young voting in 2002 when they went to the uh, World Series. He went 18-6 and six that year. Washburn pitched for the Mariners from 2006 to 2009, ended up getting flipped to the Tigers partway through that season. He finished his brief Seattle Mariners career with a 31-49 and 49 record. Woof. Uh, he had a 4.17 ERA. He had 383 strikeouts to 205 walks in 667 innings. Uh, he had some okay seasons, uh, nothing nothing really all that special, kind of just the back of the rotation innings eater type of guy. He went 8-14 and 14 with a 4.67 ERA in 2006. That is not great, especially he was coming off a year with a 3.20 ERA the year before with Anaheim, so kind of a step back there. And then 10-15 and 15 with a 4.32 ERA in 2007, uh, ended up 4.69 ERA in 2008, so things just weren't really going well. He actually pitched well. For the uh, Mariners in 2009, I remember this. He had a 2.64 ERA. He was looking like one of the best pitchers in baseball, which is part of the reason they flipped him to the Tigers. Uh, you know, they, they weren't contending in 2009. And 
Sent him over to Detroit, and he was absolutely atrocious with the Tigers. He had a 7.33 ERA and eight games started, so things did not pan out well in that trade, uh, and that was it. That He was 34 years old, and he called it a career at that point. So anyway, happy 45th birthday to Jared Washburn. The next two, before we get to the big one, uh, Dennis Powell, who is turning 56 today. Dennis Powell played briefly for the Mariners in the late 80s. Uh, he was not exceptionally good. Uh, he played for them from 87 to 93, although he briefly played with the Brewers in that time as well. Uh, he had a 4.77 ERA with an 8-10 and 10 record. Uh, he was coming mostly out of the bullpen. Um, yeah, you know, just another one of those guys. You know, he, he ate up some innings for some teams that weren't all that good. Uh, he had an 8.68 ERA his first second year in Seattle, so clearly things did not go well that year. Uh, settled down a little bit, ended up with a 4.15 ERA in his final season with the Mariners in his final season in the big leagues, which was in 1993. So anyway, happy 56th to Dennis Powell. And then we'll end things with Tom Niedenfuer. Uh Hopefully I pronounced that right. His nickname is listed as Buffalo Head, so I'm going to continue to refer to him as that. Um, Buffalo Head is from Redmond High School, uh, and he actually went to school in Pullman at Washington State University. So he got drafted by the Dodgers, but managed to find his way back to Seattle for br- briefly in 1989. Uh, he did not fare well. He had a 6.69 ERA. Uh, he had 15 strikeouts and 15 walks in 36 innings. So clearly had some issues with the uh, issuing the free pass, and also wasn't missing a whole lot of bats. So not not really a great stint of his career. Uh, he only ended up playing one more year with uh, St. Louis Cardinals in 1990, although he had a 3.46 ERA that year. So clearly he at least ended on a higher note, um, but it's kind of a bummer to have grown up in Washington and get a chance to play for your hometown team and not really be remembered all that well for that. So uh, happy 60th birthday to Buffalo head, Tom Niedenfuer. So... The last one, uh, the one that you guys have been waiting for, the Mariners icon, as I've been calling him, is Jay Buhner. So this is Jay Buhner's 55th birthday. So you guys don't need me to tell you a whole lot about Jay Buhner, I hope. Uh, he's one of the most prolific home run hitters in Mariners history, uh, one of the most prolific home run hitters of the 1990s, one of very few players who hit 40 or more home runs three years in a row, which he did from 1995 to 1997. Uh, He had 40 home runs, 44 home runs, and then 40 home runs with 121 RBIs, 138 RBIs, and 109 RBIs. He also led the league in strikeouts twice during that time, so he was kind of your original uh, all-or-nothing type. Not original. There have been a lot of guys before and after him who have done that, but he's one of the most famous ones, at least in Mariners history, certainly. Um, He was an all-star in 1996. Uh, He finished top 20 in MVP voting three times. He also won a gold glove in 1996, which is cool. He... Uh, had a great arm. That was definitely what he was known for. The Mariners transitioned right fielders very seamlessly in their history. They went from Jay Buhner, for, who was there from 1998, excuse me, 1988 to 2001. He played briefly in that 01 season and then gave way to Ichiro, who obviously spent a lot of time in Seattle and had a cannon arm in right field as well. Ichiro is clearly the better hitter, uh, not, not a better power hitter, obviously, but a better hitter. So uh, right field has been one of the most powerful positions for the Mariners uh, in their team's franchise history, and Mitch Haniger is hoping to to keep that alive going forward. But Buhner is, is an icon. You know, Buhner buzz nights, for those who may remember in the days before when the Mariners would host events where fans could get their head shaved in the crowd uh, for Buhner buzz night. Um, I think it was associated with the charity. I'm not sure off the top of my head what it was, but I remember that uh, there were fans who would get all excited to go to a Mariners game to have their head shaved. Uh, I'm bald, so that I wouldn't have been a, a intriguing one for me, but I think it's a pretty cool event that you can 
your hairstyle as a bald man can can get enough attention that they have an event for you at a Mariners game. That's that's fun. That means you've made it, I think. Uh, perhaps the most well-known thing about Jay Buhner outside of uh, Seattle is his mention on the show Seinfeld, which I just have to plug because it's one of the most hilarious TV scenes of all time, in my opinion. Uh, it's not for everybody, certainly, but... Uh, in the episode, uh, the George Steinbrenner, with, this is when G- the character George works for the New York Yankees, and he is presumed dead because he's left his car at work and had been just pretending that he'd been the first person to get to work and the last person to leave. Um, and George Steinbrenner thought he was dead, and he went to his parents' house, George's parents' house, to tell him that, hey, you know, we, we think your son's dead. And George's dad responds by immediately saying, why the hell did you trade Jay Buhner? And goes on, he's got a cannon for an arm. Like, why, you know, why would you do that? And uh, he kept talking about Ken Phelps. You know, we were all excited about Ken Phelps. And I don't. For me, the one of the reasons that scene is so funny is not that George George's dad reacts to finding out his son might be dead by criticizing him for a trade, but that Steinbrenner's character response like e- explains to him why he thinks that it was a good trade. I, I don't know why that that always makes me laugh. It just seems like none of them actually care about George's well being there. He wants to talk about the Jay Buhner trade, and George Steinbrenner wants to defend himself. I don't know. It's a hilarious scene. If you haven't seen it, please go look it up. Uh, I'll link it in the um, in the description of the podcast for you guys. Um, but anyway, happy happy birthday to Jay Buhner. He's turning 55. Uh, looks like he could still hit one 390 feet if he needed to. Um, one of the one of the greats for this team. So, uh, wish wishing him all the best. All right, for tomorrow's show, I'm going to recap the Mariners' series opener against the Detroit Tigers while providing a State of the Union on the American League West as we continue to head towards October baseball. Once again, I'm Andy Patton. You can find me on Twitter at AndyPattonSEA. You can find the Lockdown Mariners podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and go Mariners! (laughs) 